Hey, Blessed Nation. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Blessed for Success podcast. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa. As always, if there's anything that you enjoy from today's show, anything that sticks out to you, anything that resonates from you, go ahead, take a screenshot, share that on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, mention me at Blessed for Success PC so I can share that with the rest of the world and with the rest of Blessed Nation. Now, without further delay, let's get into the show. My guest today is truly a special individual. At the age of 31, he walked away from one of the highest paying sales jobs in the country and moved to a tiny fishing village in Nova Scotia, Canada and started an educational software company. The naysayers laughed. They stopped laughing when his sales topped $10 million. He is now the host and executive producer of the Screw the Naysayers podcast, where him and his guests share inspiring stories and practical advice you can use to overcome adversity, shatter self-limiting beliefs, and live the life you want. He is a business mentor, a Harvard speaker, and will be featured in the upcoming Amazon Prime docuseries, The Social Movement. He is also the author of the book, Screw the Naysayers, They Suck Anyways. I met him at a forum in at the University of Toronto in 2019, and he is full of energy for being at an age now where most of his peers are retired. He's one of the older guests I've had on the show, and it was really refreshing to get his take on building a fulfilling life. Introducing Tim Allison. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Don't ever let somebody tell you, you can't do something. You're listening to the Blessed for Success podcast. Tim, Allison, thank you so much for coming on the Blessed for Success podcast. Really appreciate you being here today. Oh, Tanvir, my absolute pleasure. And, uh, you know, I've been excited for this for so long. I met yourself and your daughter, Denise, um, at an event at UFT a couple of months back uh, with my friend Cash, who, who I know you remember. And I, I just remember walking away that day feeling that I had been shared some, you know, some profound messages were shared from me and were shared with me, you know, primarily by you, to be honest, because, you know, I was just uh, talking with, uh, you know, Cash, my friend on the side. And then all of a sudden you came and I, I remember, I believe you had or, orange, um, <laughs> orange suspenders, orange yeah. suspenders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then only afterwards did I realized that the orange suspenders, you know, matched with your brand of screw, screw the naysayers and, you know, you've got the orange banners in the background, but, um, you know, I just remember feeling, uh, just that I've learned a lot that day from you and, and your energy and how you live life. And so, um, you know, one, the way that I want to start this podcast that I do every single one of my episodes is at this point in time, uh, you know, on this day, what makes you feel blessed? Oh, wow. There's, there's, it, it's a long list, but I, aside from the very obvious ones of family, um, you know, and, and, you know, a marriage that's coming up on 40 years this, this fall and a daughter who's, um, you know, uh, who you did meet, who's a kick-ass woman entrepreneur, a son who's killing it. Um, all, all of that kind of stuff, Cash, or yeah, Aaron calling you by your partner's name, Sanvir, <laughs> um, all of that stuff. But I mean, I think what I feel most blessed is that I'm still able to I'm still able to really put energy in and, and, and thoughts and, um, and to help people. And, you know, there was a time, it wouldn't have been that many years ago at, at my stage of life. I'm, as you'll remember having met me, I'm not the most mobile anymore. I'm walking mm. with a cane and, and I happen to live in a little fishing village. It's like three hour drive from the nearest airports. Um, I don't 
you know, get to do a lot of face-to-face stuff, but I can get up every morning and I've been going for coming up on 12 hours now. Um, and some people would say at my age, why the heck are you doing that? And I'm doing it because I'm having so much fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, um, it, I'm really, uh, the reason I think you, you would have sensed all my energy when we were together in, in Toronto in that group and why I probably picked you guys out is that, and a few others, but I mean, I just absolutely love talking to younger people and getting them to stretch their, their belief system around what's possible and to, you know, to really, you know, push to live a life that aligns with everything that, you know, you guys absolutely want to have. And it's, I just honestly just feel so honored that people want to listen to the, the wisdom that's been accumulated over the years and that it, that it can help maybe inspire a few to, mm-hmm. to um, you know, to, to live their own blessed life. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, I'd like to say that in a way, it's because of you that I was inspired to really start this podcast. Because really, and I think I don't know if you remember, but it was one of the questions that I had asked you while you were on the panel. Um, you know, about doing something while you know full time work and all these things, and, and trying to manage it. And the really the idea for this brand, I don't want to say the podcast because podcast wasn't necessarily what was on my mind at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking about you know what I feel blessed for and, and, you know, what my story kind of is and how I can share that story with the world and seeing your energy at 60 plus years old just gave me that extra jolt, you know, gave me that push to be like, okay, if he can do it and be (laughs) this extremely successful, why can't I, you know, why can't I do the same? And so, you know, I appreciate you coming up to that, coming up to us that day and, and, you know, speaking with us. Well, again, that just makes me feel so great. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, podcasting certainly changed my life. Even, you know, I started Screw the Naysayers when I was, well, I, my first episode published when I was almost, I don't know, three or four months away from my 61st birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of came up with the idea around my 60th birthday. And um, it's really interesting, Tender, because I started it hoping to to share um, and to get, because to use my position and the people I've gotten to know and to get others on the show so we could, you know, energy out into this universe that's really positive and that focuses on reasons people can do things and not reasons why we can't do things. But what totally caught me by surprise was the fact that it's been without a question um, the, the best professional development experience of my entire life. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy what you learn when you get 45 minutes to talk to people, spider coming down from the ceiling in the video there. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, you know, what you're able to, to learn. Um, when you get 45 minutes, just ask people whatever you want. And, yeah. um, you know, so, I mean, I, I think, I think if you stick with it and, um, and go at it with the professionalism that you are tonight and everything that you're going to, you, you will not regret, um, you know, making this move. I appreciate that very much. And I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons I do this, right? I do it for my audience and for them to learn something from listening to you, listening to the other phenomenal guests I have on the show, but in a way it's for to give myself a reason to have a conversation with individuals such as such as yourself and and for that that's something that I truly feel blessed to be able to do um, on and off and why I don't mind you know coming home from work and jumping on a podcast yeah. you know that's that's it's part of the the life now um, and I mean tell us a bit more about the Screw the Naysayers podcast I want my audience to know a bit more about that you know what prompted you to start it and um, you know what's your message behind it yeah well I think what prompted me you know, to put it really simply, when I was hitting that, 60 was a milestone birthday for me. And most of my peers, certainly those that were in the sort of quote unquote business world, um, as opposed to the more harder working friends that I have are 
you know, building homes and construction workers and, you know, just the salt of the earth, the people that keep our country going. But mm -hmm. most of the folks that have been, you know, in that business world, Denver, they were either retired or intending to retire. And um, it just, first of all, that idea just didn't sit that, that well with me. But honestly, I just got pissed off because I think that there's so much messaging out there and I was having a long conversation with a couple people today about it, about the, some of it. But there's so much messaging out there that's misleading. That is, there's advice to, you know, we're living in a at a time of unprecedented opportunity. It's there's never in the in the history of mankind been a better opportunity to be starting businesses to be, you know, built taking control of our own career. Mm -hmm. Like you know, when I did that at 31, when I left that corporate world, and you know, I mean, it was seen by most people is a really radical thing to do mm -hmm. but now everybody's got a side gig or and it's almost irresponsible not to be working on something um you know to, to to secure your future but you get all these people there's this massive billions perhaps hundreds of billions of dollars of industry that's popped up and it's sucking the lifeblood out, out of all those people by presenting misleading facts about what entrepreneurship is all about by mm -hmm. um suggesting that the, you know by, by presenting false images of how successful everybody is, which causes everybody else to have an inferiority complex. <laughs> and I just think that there was a, a real need for people that have been, for lack of a better word, that have been in the trenches to say, look, it's not supposed to be easy. And if it was easy, then absolutely everybody would have been doing it for a very long time. Um, and I see people accomplishing amazing things and then feeling lousy about it because they don't feel like they've done enough in the first year or two or three. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's party to say, but it is a journey. And so screw the naysayers was, a, was, was when I founded the brand, I wrote a book by the same name and started the podcast. It's, it's about encouraging people to shatter self-limiting beliefs and to provide both inspiring stories and education information that people can use to figure out what they want in life, particularly those that are, you know, like me bent towards wanting to be self-employed some or all of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and to sort of just set their, their sights a lot higher mm -hmm. while at the same time, not getting screwed over by, by people that are out there just trying to separate, separate all of us entrepreneurs, myself included mm -hmm. from, um, you know, from hard earned money. And that's really where I started. What's interesting is that the brand itself, like when screw the naysayers as a name, it, first of all, it resonated. I mean, that's just why this podcast exploded, why it's hit top 100 status. It doesn't, it's not always there, but I have been in top 100 in the U.S. in entrepreneurship, which is not an easy category to, to you know, to, to nibble into. Um, but it's because I think the brand means so many different things to different people. And so it's not, I have people that have quit their corporate jobs and started businesses. I have people who have achieved amazing things from an entrepreneurial experience, but I, I've also, and in fact, I would think even almost all of the people that I've, I've, I've interviewed have at some stage in their life also overcome some great adversity. Some of the guests, the adversity is crazy insane, like really crazy. Tracy Schmidt was born with, you know, a four-way amputee. And, uh, you know, and, and yet uh, when I met with Tracy, and well, she was on my show, when I met with her in person, the day after you and I were at that conference at the Heart Yeah, I remember you telling that story. That's right. Well, yeah, like here she is and she's walking up to me and she's hugging me and, you know, and she's talking about um, how she's climbed a Himalayan mountain and captained a tall ship and, you know, came just within a, uh, you know, a hair of qualifying for the Rio Olympics and sailing. Well, how the hell do you sail with no hands and no feet yeah. and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it's, um, it's just really about, 
if somebody, if people have inspiring stories and it's not, I want to really make sure people realize that it's not about survival. I'm not interested and I don't mean to be rude, but I don't think anybody's interested. If something crappy happened to you in your life, well, I really like to feel empathy for everybody, but, and I do. Okay, but, but the reality is, is that stuff happens that we don't have any control over. It's what we do with it that, you know, that, that matters. And when the brand has just attracted people that have said, well, you know, I've came, you know, I was in a rough spot. Some of the places, some of the things that people have described on my show are pretty dark spaces, mm-hmm. but then they're turning around and now they're talking on stages around the world or they built, you know, big empires, or maybe they've just that they found their own personal peace and happiness with their family. It's not like, um, you know, it's not certainly measured solely, you know, in financial terms, but, um, but that's what it's, that's, that's really the broad brush of it. And I, I do think that different themes seem to emerge. I think in 2019, I was talking a lot about not letting your past or your current circumstances define your future. It just seemed like, you know, we had a lot of guests that gravitated to that. And I think it's a really important message. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care. I mean, I care if something crappy's happened to you, but what I care more about is what you plan on doing about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but what seems to be, you know, coming to the to the surface a lot here in the first quarter of, of 2020 is this whole issue of, of the, the, the money that, you know, young entrepreneurs in particular, a lot of them part time or whatever, are just getting roped into all of these one size fits all systems where it's, you know, it's like everybody and their brother can use exactly the same process. I know no business in the world that can exist simply by copying what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And yet we got this massive industry that says, well, what you need to do is, you know, I can, you could repeat it. Any one of us could, okay, find a problem you want to solve, identify the people you want to, you want to serve, uh, figure out how you're going to package your, your solution, throw up a bunch of advertisements on social media to make everybody hop into your funnel, which is magically going to kick people out the bottom end and you're going to get rich mm-hmm. and, and, and none of it works. I, and I'm completely guilty of that, you know, to be, to be, completely transparent like i'm i'm so guilty of doing that and you know for for almost falling for some of those schemes like those drop shipping um and i just i was just listening to your episode on how social ads are completely a scam and you end up spending you know a ton more money on (laughs) just you know these ads um because everyone positions but there's so many ways to position a get rich quick scheme nowadays um yeah, it's frustrating. I don't mean to cut you off, but it really mm-hmm. is frustrating. And and this is why I think we you know we need um, to be a a little less concerned with with um, this culture says you know you should never call people out. We seem to be living in that environment. If you look, I believe you know I mean my wife's always done a much better job of this than me. But I mean generally, if I don't have something positive to say about something someone, I'm not gonna go out of my way to try and mess their day up or to impact their business or whatever. But I'm certainly, you know, not above talking about what, what organizations like Facebook, for example, are doing. I was just looking at the, you know, their annual revenues for 2019. And Facebook generated almost $70 billion in advertising revenues in, in 2019. And when Seth Godin was on my show, I mean, he basically flat out said that, that advertising stopped working in the very moment in time when small business owners got access to it. And it's simply because it's all a bid-based system, which, which was, will only benefit people who have exa- the ability to exactly measure the return and know at exactly what point they got to stop bidding. 
I'll only go to this point and then I'm going to stop type of thing. And quite frankly, I mean, Google's the master of it. They're, they're cream. They only did about uh, uh, 35 or 40 billion. I forget what the exact number is, but they're taking, you know, according to, to Seth and some of the research I did, there's creaming off like as much as 98% of the profit that the corporations are getting. But because if they're really big and massive and they can measure right to that penny, they're still going to keep doing it because they have the volume and they'll just keep doing it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is that they're going to, they're going to, these big corporations have lots of products to sell. So even if they don't make money on that first sale, they've now identified you as a potential customer. And then they can really target and you know zero in and all those kind of things. And of course, the, many of them have businesses that get repeat business. But a lot of small businesses just do not fall into the, you know, you know, that category. And nobody's out there saying that, well, all these people who are telling you that, you know, they'll show you how to build that perfect funnel. What they're not telling you is that it's the reason it's never going to work is because you don't have, a, you know, 50,000 SKUs or, or the ability to, to measure exactly how much it's going to cost you to get a person in. And, and, you know, even people. Even those selling in the services, like, like I'm not, I won't name this, this person. He's actually a former guest on my show, but I signed up the other day for, just like you, I'm always looking for professional development. There was a free four-day challenge event. I thought that one looked like fun, eh? Man, before it even started, I started getting bombarded with little videos and messages telling me that during this four days, they were going to be promoting somebody else's program. In other words, all that four days was about was to get us all pumped up and excited and then to realize, oh, in order for us to do this, now we got to go over and buy somebody else's. So, you know, they have all these massive affiliate deals. These people that are really killing it, they've got affiliate deals all over the the place. And all the more power to them. It's just that I know that for most of us, for almost all of us, they're not going to work. And what we really need to do is just get back to understanding a business is a business is a business. Yeah. Keep the main thing, the main thing. It's, uh, it's one thing that I've, one message that I've been listening to a lot and, uh, you know, your insights on that, I think, um, are very interesting and and very true. You know, there's a lot of people that these stuff wouldn't apply for, um, or a lot of business owners, small business owners that a lot of that knowledge, a lot of that, um, a lot of those courses, eBooks, you know, presentations are not going to apply for, but, um, you know, going back to something that you said earlier, uh, you know, about people going through the trenches and, you know, you understanding and acknowledging that, um, you know, people have been through stuff, but it's, a, what are you going to do about it? You know, like what's, how are you going to turn, flip it on its head? And this podcast is all about battling through adversity, you know, hardship to ultimately end up on the other side successful. And, you know, you've been through the trenches, you know, and Sixty plus years of living, you know, you've you've battled a number of challenges, and you know, to my understanding, you grew up with uh, a genetic bone disease. I did, yeah. And you know, this was something that recently you acknowledged that has affected you. Um, you know, now, like it, it led yeah. to certain effects, and I related to that because only recently did I uh, kind of accept that the bullying that I had gone through as a child and and. Um, you know, a lot of that abuse led to me being a certain way as an, as an adult and something that I still struggle with. Um, How did you even deal and, you know, how did you even deal with something like that? And how does that affected you as a person today? Yeah, well, that's, that's, it's a hell of a question. I would, I will tell you this. Um, I certainly wasn't aware of the gift that was in that adversity. I mean, I hate, I hated the disease. 
you know, growing up. I mean, it was such, it, the thing is, it was, it was so bad that, you know, literally, I, if my foot slipped off my pedal when I was riding a bike, even at a slow speed, and then my foot brushed the ground, I would break a leg. I jumped into a swimming pool to do a cannonball, and my foot hit the bottom of the pool in water, and I broke a leg. Um, you know, I got, you know, high school, you know, or junior high, or whatever, a bunch of people were just running down the hall fast, hit me from behind, I fell forward into a, one of those wire mesh doors in those schools there, and broke my elbow. I mean, like, so, I mean, uh, I really, I think probably for a lot of years, felt sorry for myself. Where it fueled me, um, and it wasn't sustainable, but where it fueled me is in my 20s, because once, man, once I got out of high school and people didn't see me, because it stabilized somewhat when I, you know, got to university, so people weren't seeing me walking around with casts on all the time and everything, and you know what it's like when you get out of that, that bullying or whatever's going on in that, that high school environment, it's kind of like you get another life, another opportunity. Um, but I'm telling you what, man, I was ready to kick ass. And so when I got into the business world, I was a ruthless son of a gun. I and mean, that's what it was when I, you know, that's what I was told I was supposed to do. You know, and, and we're going way back. We're talking the 1980s. And that's what business was. You stepped on somebody, you did whatever you had to do. Your job was to climb that corporate ladder as fast as you could. The faster you did that, the more successful you were in life and all of these kind of things. But, you know, it really gave me a, a hard edge um, which no doubt contributed to some of my early success and, and drive to prove people wrong. The problem with that is that that isn't sustainable energy. And you get to a point when you're, if you're just trying to prove things to people, you know, you can't, you can't, um, you, you start to become very unfulfilled and, you know, dissatisfied. The gift that ultimately came from it, uh, I realize now, um, all, it was, I had it all along. I just didn't know it until I really started. Really, honestly, I would think after I started this podcast that I started to talk to so many other people who clearly had had more adversity than me. Yeah, I broke 15 broken bones before I was 15 years old. I'm not saying it didn't suck, but I know a lot of people have been through a lot worse than, than that. But the gift in the adversity for me was that it gave me a risk tolerance in business that everybody, people would say, well, how did you find the courage to quit that job? Or how did you find the courage to you know, to drop everything I was doing with my company and pick up a new product line because it just looked like it had the potential and just go all in. And, and other people would look at that saying, you're crazy. Like, but I realize now that my risk filter was quite different than most people. I just looked at it and said, well, if I do this, what are the chances that I'm going to end up in hospital requiring surgery? And if it's not going to be physically painful, then I, why would I be afraid of it? And I never really understood the, the, the mental effect it had on me. Because I've just, and I, it pisses some people off when I say it, but I'm just being truthful. I've never had trouble making money, ever. And I think it's because I don't really spend a, a lot of time worrying about whether I'm going to have it or not have it. I just assume I'm going to have it. And if, if I lose some, well, I assume that I can go make some more. And I, I know I can trace that back to, you know, to the, um, you know, to the being very aware of my physical circumstances. You know, when I, even when I've, I've traveled for years, but I mean, I've got radar, the likes of which you would never imagine in a, in a foreign city or something like that. I'll anticipate something, but I'm not, I'm never afraid. Like I, I go all, we travel all over the world, we independent travel and everything else, but I can just anticipate the, where there's a potential for problem and avoid it. But money, you know, I mean, it's like, why would we be afraid of, of something, of losing something that we can go get again? Yeah. Well, let's, well, let's talk about that a bit more. I mean, you, you not only assumed, but you'd go after it. And, you know, I remember when I heard this story, when you were on that panel in Toronto, I was like, this guy is either super nuts or <laughs> insanely intelligent because, you know, you, 
in fact, hearing you talk about your younger days um, of being in a sales job, you know, being ruthless, just grinding, working hard, you know, remind me a lot of myself. I'm, I'm in a sales job. You know, I uh, like to think that I go hard at my job and, and, you know, try to give it my best and try to climb that corporate ladder as, as quickly as possible and learn as much as possible. And then when I started hearing you talk about kind of some of the pitfalls that came over time and, you know, not it being not sustainable, I started being like, okay, well, I don't want to end up like that. You know, I don't want my sales journey to, to end up looking like that. And so you had a six figure job. Yeah. <laughs> it just, every time I see this or, or read this, it, it blows me away. You had a six figure job that you quit and then decided to move your family out to a rural fishing village in uh, Nova Scotia. Yeah. I know you've talked about this many times, but I kind of yeah. want to frame it a bit differently. So Tim, can you put yourself back in your shoes at that time? You know, how old were you then? You know, can you put yourself back in those shoes so many years ago and just tell me exactly what was running through your mind at that time? What was the thought process? Yeah, look, it's really an interesting question, Tim. And I, I, I think the more relevant time would be, I was 31 when I quit, but I think I'd like to go back a couple of years because it was that two years leading up to that decision that I think maybe provide the most insight into what I was thinking because <laughs> uh, I was scared. I was degree at the right university, got the right job, and, and I was rocketing up the army was like 10 or 15 years older than me. Um, you know, in today's dollars, and I don't say this to boast, but I realize I quit a uh, people in this generation of your generation don't quite understand what that was in 1988 because in today's dollars, my annual income would have been $342,000 a year. I mean, like today, that would be like oh if you had God. a job paying you three forty, and and um, um, and so you know, I'm not saying letting go of that was you know was 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 easy. The flip side of it was that I wasn't seeing my kids. I was um, not a very good husband. I was angry all the time. The stress of um, I was the top one of the top, if not the top, sales performer in the company. Um, but that brought, uh, you know, a lot of demands because I mean, whatever I did last year, next year's plus 20% and next year plus 20%. Well, after five years of doing that, you're so far ahead of everybody else in terms of what is acceptable performance for, for me versus, you know, others. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, world, the world of sales, you know, the yeah, quarter increases every and, single year. And certainly in those days, the system was designed to burn people like me out. We were disposable. I don't know. I can't speak to it today. I know in my day, we were considered disposable assets. Mm -hmm. Get them, drive them hard, deck them to the, to the awards and the trips and, and the perks and all this kind of stuff. Treat them like kings and queens when they succeed, um, knowing that they're not going to be able to sustain the pace. And I just didn't have the maturity at that age to, you know, to realize what was going on. And so it was, you know, it was tough. In terms of the final decision, it I, it really wasn't all that hard at the end that I, when looking back, I know why I didn't, I don't think I realized it at the time, but I honestly believe that I would have been dead or divorced um, within five years. And if had I stayed and, and maybe both and maybe sooner, um, you know, I just knew there's just something inside me that said, I just can't, I can't do this. And we had lived this, this little fishing village is my wife's hometown. It's where her her family has, you know, roots that can be traced back 250 years, which in Canada is a pretty rare thing. And um, little Acadian fishing village. And I just, I just knew we wanted to come back here. And mm. so ultimately, I don't know, 
it's really difficult. What I want to say this, the thing I remember the most is the day when I resigned. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little chicken because I waited till my boss was on the road traveling. And I was always the first one in the office, but I went into the office and his office was, door was always open. And I went in and I, you know, I dropped my letter of resignation on his desk. I knew his secretary would find it later that morning. But I could just, it's the sur most surreal feeling. Like it was almost like as soon as I laid that piece of, that envelope down on the desk, it was like I felt all this stress just coming right down my body, you know, uh, down my arms out onto that, on, onto the, you know, onto his desk. And it just like it disappeared. And, um, but what I will also tell you is that I, I had, I did think at the time that I had sacrificed my career in order to make this decision to come here. Mm. I mean, I was still, I was buying into the myth that you could have that great job or you could have that lifestyle, but you couldn't have both. I had decided that family was too important and it was going to come first. But it was still another couple of years, two or three years more, until I really realized that was a bunch of crap, <laughs> that you could have both, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hey there. Just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. If you are enjoying what you hear, I would really appreciate it if you could head on over to iTunes for a quick minute, leave a five-star review, and tell us what you like about the show. We want this Plus for Success message to catch fire, and the only way that is possible is with your help and support. Thanks again for tuning in. Now let's get back to the show. You, uh, and I mean, you made the leap. You made that leap without really having a plan, which is something that most yeah, people like, you know, always have a plan B or, you know, have a backup or whatever. You were just like, okay, I need to, I know I need to move to Nova Scotia yeah. to this fishing village. Yeah. I don't really know what I'm going to do there because you, there, in Nova Scotia, of all places, in a fishing village, like you're not going to be a fisherman. You're not really qualified for oh. that. You're not going to be a teacher at that time. You weren't really qualified for that. There's a lot of things That's that right. maybe you weren't qualified for. And so, you know, coming across your story and understanding that you packed all your stuff in a truck in like an eight foot <laughs> tall box and then yeah. went west to look for a job. Can, like, first of all, how was that experience of trying to fit all your stuff into an eight foot tall box? Uh, surreal. My best friend still today, but my best friend was a, at the time a young carpenter and I had a big F-150 truck and we kept our house down here. So we had left some stuff in the attic, but most of the stuff we just sold. And so it was like, you know, we, he built this particle board box on the back of the truck and we literally had to nail it shut with two by fours in the back. My, my terror was that we were traveling in, in January um, and it was bitterly cold and I was just fearful if we ever got a, um, I had a three month old baby in the, in the vehicle. And I'm thinking if we get a flat tire here, I'm going to have to pry, use a pry bar to crowbar to open that, that back and stuff's probably going to come flying out. Right. Um, you know, it, 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 uh, it was, it was really tough, um, you know, leaving. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I don't know, like stuff happens for a reason, I guess, because I certainly did get a job where I learned a ton. What I will say is that for those that are considering being, you know, going into business for themselves at some stage, there is no better way to prepare than in sales. It's the single most important skill that any entrepreneur will ever have. And um, it's interesting. I was, uh, I interviewed John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire and the other day, his episode's not up yet, but, um, I, you know, we got into my, a little bit about my story. And I said, you know, I sent her, took a, a, a chance coming back. And he said, you didn't take a chance. He said, you knew that you knew how to sell. And, and this is true. I was, by that time, by that stage, I was supremely confident in my ability to sell. I just had to figure out 
what it was I was going to be able to sell from this little fishing village in the middle of nowhere. I want to talk to you about that the backup plan and the plan B. And, uh, you know, I, look, I am not a professional psychologist and, or a financial planner or whatever. So don't sue me if you, <laughs> if you don't, if you act on my advice. But here's my feeling. And I wrote a chapter about it in my book. I personally think backup plans suck. I think what they do is they, because I've learned, and especially since I got into this podcast, but, you know, I knew before, mindset is, is like 99% of success in business. And when we go into something thinking, well, okay, if it, do, if it doesn't work out, I will do this. We are programming our subconscious mind to expect us to fail and we're going to go back and do that. And it's, I'd like to tell people that it's not the case, but it really is. And, and the other thing I would say is that in those early days of getting the business off the ground, it was hard, man. And if I'd had the option, like, because I, you know, the one thing I knew is that I'm not going back to Toronto again. We're staying. So when times got tough, it's not like, because you're absolutely correct. There was zero work. There is still zero work for someone like me in this community, unless I make the job myself. Yeah. So I just knew I was going to have to, you know, tough it out. If there had been a job somewhere that I could have just walked into, I, I might have. I might have. And, and then I, you know, would have missed out on, you know, what turned into being an incredible 30 year, 31 years and counting now, right. As a, you know, as a small business owner, I, I'm just not a big plan, a, a fan of, of backup plans. I, I do believe in making informed decisions. We had put enough money aside to live for six months. I figured if I can't, you know, figure out how to do something in six months, it was got close, but you know, um, so I don't, you know, I'm not saying perform radical surgery on your life without, without, you know, taking some of those things into account, but, um, the younger we are, the more aggressive we should be in, in, in trying things. Mm -hmm. um, and because, you know, you're going to get so many chances to, to do reovers. It's just, you don't get the time back. So if the time is being spent learning and you're learning a lot and you're progressing, that's, that's absolutely cool. Um, and look, self-employment is not meant for everybody. But the other thing I'm really aware of is that a lot of people just aren't going to have a bloody choice. You're either going to have to have a side gig or something with the way the wages are going in, in, in industry these days in order to, you know, with the rising cost of living in, you know, in, in the big cities anyway. Um, or, you know, all of us, salespeople are not immune from layoffs anymore than anybody else's. And the stats out of the United States are horrific on what's happening to people once they turn 50. I, I did some research, you know, a few months ago. I mean, there was a study done by the Urban Institute and they looked at people, Tanvir, that were already 50 years of age when they went into this study. So they're now, that was 15 years ago. So this is historical data. Mm -hmm. And everybody that they studied had a permanent full-time job with the same employer for at least five years. So people that got to age of 50 and with pretty stable, everybody would say that person's doing pretty well here. And 51% um, of them, ended up facing an involuntary job loss before they hit the age of retirement. More than half. And of every one of those that did, only one in 10 ever made as much money again as they did before they got laid off. And the medium, median income, I should say, when they turned 65 between the group that had the involuntary job, job loss and those that didn't, was 14% lower. Now, you reduce your retirement income by that amount of money, that can be the difference between having food on the table, let alone having the dream of being able to go you know, travel or contribute to your kids or your grandkids or all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, that, that with the, what we're seeing in the way of automation, with what, what, what we're seeing in the way of, uh, of outsourcing, 
the you know, I know everybody talks about this global economy, but if people think, you know, the competition is tough now, they better open their eyes because Asia and Africa are getting better and better and better educated. And they're getting better and better educated in the English language, which means that they're, you know, anything that's, that, that, that's commodity based, those markets are going to be able to do way cheaper than we are for a very, you know, long time. And, that's actually um, something that I haven't, uh, that's actually crazy that you mentioned that I haven't thought about that a whole lot, but now that you bring that up, it's the opportunity that, because me personally, like you said, like now is the time where there's more opportunity than ever before, but imagine five years from now, 10 years from now, just how exponentially higher it's going to be because of, of, of those reasons. And, you know, you're right. Like I'm, I'm completely with you on the fact that, um, a plan B basically means that you're not giving everything to plan A because yeah. you've already given yourself an out, right? You've already yeah. given yourself an avenue to uh, essentially quit to say, okay, if this doesn't work out, then that will, I just yeah. published an episode on failure. And I said, okay. you know, um, you never want to approach something thinking that, oh, it's possible that I can fail or possible that I will fail because then you've already given yourself a reason to fail, yeah. um, which is never helpful. But, um, you know, you've definitely gone, you've always had big dreams, you know, and you've definitely gone about chasing those big dreams, whether it be in business or with this podcast and just doing really incredible things. And, you know, one thing that I, I read about um, in your book or an excerpt from your book was, you know, a lot of people are forgetting how to dream. Oh, yeah. And as of recent, you know, as of recently only did that change for me because I remember as a kid just having so many big dreams, so many big aspirations and, uh, you know, my imagination was off the charts. And as I grew up and, you know, was being bullied and went through burnout and all these things, those aspirations, those dreams started dwindling down to the point where I started asking myself, like, what, what did I want again? Like, what was I dreaming of again? Yeah. Like, I can't remember. And only recently um, did some of those dreams start to come back and some of those aspirations start to come back, you know? So for, for some people listening, how can they really find a way to dream again if they've forgotten and, and go after them? Yeah, well, I, it's a great point. And, you know, I, I think the biggest, I'll answer your question, but I, I want to add something to, to what you just said. And, and that is that the reason so many young people in particular are, are, willing to settle and, and, you know, forgetting, you know, sort of not believing that they, they can dream, um, that there's any chance of their dreams coming true, I guess is the way I should be saying it. It's quite simple because our, you know, your parents' generation, I'm not picking on your parents, of course, but that generation has done a really crappy job in terms of setting an example. Because my generation, certainly the boomer generation, the vast majority of the people in my generation settled. You know, they have stayed in jobs that they don't like. They have, you know, stayed in marriages that they don't like. All these kind of things for their kids. It's all for the kids. Well, I'll stay in a bad marriage and fight all the time, but the kids will have a home to come home to. I'll stay in a job that I hate because my kids can't, um, wouldn't be able to get by if I couldn't buy in that designer, you know, shirt or those fancy sneakers or whatever. Um, but what they're not understanding is that the example that we've set as a generation is that that's what life's all about. You do settle. And, you know, kids after about the, you know, Seth who said it, but I've, I've, others have reaffirmed it. After kids are about eight or nine years of age, they stop listening to their parents, but they never stop watching them. 
And so that that is really what's going on here. It's a it's a massive mindset issue, because the you know my generation is attempting to foist down onto your generation without realizing it, a belief system that's just it's it's totally wrong. Yeah. And and so you know look in terms of allowing yourself to you know to to believe. I mean for starters, um, I this is probably going to sound strange coming from somebody my age, but I, I'm a very big fan of meditating. Um, I used to do that without even realizing I was meditating. That's for me, nature is my form of meditation. And so like I spent, oh, I couldn't even imagine how many tens of thousands of hours out in, in the woods around here, wandering yeah. in the wilderness or walking my dog. We have lived very close to a, um, a long sandy beach that even like, you know, today it was lovely weather in February. That wasn't me. My wife had a dog today, but you know, we can walk and we can get outdoors. Um, now that I have more restricted mobility, I'm looking out at my bay window here. It's dark right now, but I mean, all I see out that window during the day is trees and forest. And so taking some time to just, you know, just really tune out all of the noise that's around you, taking those deep breaths. And um, I think that's a really, you know, a a simple place to start. But then the other thing is, is that, you know, the people you hang out with was Jim Rohn, you know, rest in peace, Jim. And it's such a famous saying, but you know, you are the, you know, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you're hanging around with people who don't have any dreams, then you're going to find it very difficult (laughs) to, you know, to to get inspired enough to believe in your dreams. Um, And um, I guess, you know, I could go on. The other thing that I I, I just pops into my head too, is that there's no doubt, Tanvir, that our fear of failure for most of us anyway, is always greater than our belief to believe we can get what we want in life. And the only way you can overcome that fear is if, is if your why is, is bigger than your fear. And so, you know, for me, the why evolved. It's funny, I just did a little video on this for a friend of mine who wrote a book, but my why evolved. My why when we first moved back here was very personal. It was about family. We, I wanted to be a present and caring husband and father, be around my kids, and I wanted to live in nature and in this community and so in order to do that, I had to create my own, my own job. And that carried me for a while. But where my life, I think, really took the biggest change was when people started to pay attention to what I was doing. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, this isn't anything that remarkable. I mean, I've, so I've gotten to the point where I got five or six employees. And all of a sudden, I'm appearing on the front page of the Globe and Mail report on business, you know, with a great big picture of me sitting on a cliff with a laptop and the headline said, how to get a life with an ocean view. <laughs> and I'm not dumb, you know, vain enough to realize it was because my revenue was all that terrific because there's like a billion companies they are not that that's a bad number, but obviously like so many people yeah. just in this own neighborhood, I could have taken you to that were making more money than that. But it was the idea that you don't have to let society define for you what success is that you can sort of set your own norm and you can go out and do it. And so when I realized that it was motivating people, then I started to say, well, I want to prove to other young people around this community that you don't have to all leave, that everybody doesn't have to go to the city, like, you know, I got dragged out to, and that you can stay. And then over time, it's just morphed into, I want to prove to people that are stuck in jobs that they don't like, that they don't have to, you know, those golden handcuffs are not real. Hmm. They're imaginary, you know, they're in, they're, you know, they're in your head. And so, you know, I think that's part of the answer. If you're going to start to reach, you know, dream again, you've got to start thinking about what it is, what really pisses you off? What do you stand for? What are the things that you won't compromise on? And within there, you know, find 
because look, this, there's hundreds of millions of problems in this world right now, and some of them are really big. So find something that you really care about and say, what could I do? What could my contribution be, you know, to, to, to being a solution to one of those problems as opposed to, you know, uh, uh, contributing to it in there, or maybe it's where you want to live or the type of lifestyle you want to have, but um, everybody's going to be motivated differently. But son of a gun, I mean, don't surrender. And if you're hanging out with people who have surrendered, I, I hate to say this, but you kind of got to change your, your circle of friends. No, I and definitely, you know, I'm a big believer of you are, you know, the five people that you surround yourself with. And, um, but I do believe also with, you know, people who have surrendered or, um, you know, maybe have, they just need that little push, you know, they need that little push from, you know, someone like yourself, you know, someone listening to this podcast might just get a little push from, from, from an, from an episode like this and say, okay, now I got to go identify my why, you know, um, one thing that definitely that helped me get back into being able to like really dream and outline my aspirations, my goals, what I want from life, um, was like you said, meditation, right? So I personally, like I enjoy meditating in the sauna because it's extremely hot yeah. <laughs> um, and it just puts pressure and um, it's a nice, it's a nice, it, it, it gets me into a state where I almost need to calm myself down. Like you're forced to calm yourself down or else your heart rate spikes up really fast and that sort yes. of thing. But um, you know, that definitely gave me time to reflect and outline, okay, this is, this is what I want out of my life. This is how I want to lead my life. And, you know, I think everyone to a, to a degree requires a little, a little push and you being one of those people that gave me a, a little push, you know, at that, at that event in Toronto. So I appreciate you for that. Oh, now, throughout your entire journey, and this is, you know, the theme of your podcast, the three of screw the naysayers um, productions, which is, you know, there's naysayers all along the way, right? There's people, there's multiple types, as you discuss in your book, um, just a bunch of people along the way that, that tell you that you can't do it, you're not good enough, so on and so forth, right? What's your personal self-talk throughout, you know, all that when, when they're saying what they are, what they are, um, you know, because that, that was me when I was being bullied as well. Like I had yeah. to talk myself through it. What was your self-talk? Uh, well, yeah. See, it's a lot easier for me now because, you know, what you know, what I'm basically doing right now is I, it depends. If I can tell that you're just, you know, basically what I refer to in my book, and I hopefully it's not too, too off-color language, but there are some people out there who are just a bunch of uninformed dickheads, and all they want to do is bring people down. Well, I don't even waste any of my energy or time, you know, uh, even engaging or reflecting or thinking about them. But for others, and, you know, people can doubt your abilities for a lot of different reasons, including people that are close to you, who are sometimes just trying to protect you, mm -hmm. you know, not wanting you to get hurt. I just generally, first of all, I, I realize that when they project those, those kind of feelings, for the most part, they're, well, not for the most part, they are projecting their own insecurities. What they're really simply saying is that they don't, they believe that they can't do it. Therefore, Either they, they can't believe that you can do it or they don't want you to be able to do it because it's going to make them to, you know, settle. But, you know, um, I just don't, for the most part, I, I, I realize that it's, it's always about them and, you know, and not about me. That was a hard thing for me because having been, like, I, I guess I never put the word bully to it, but certainly 
you know, with all of the, the broken bones and everything, the kids were not kind. Let's put it that way. Um, I won't share the nickname on air that the kids had for me with all the broken bones. But, you know, I do realize that for a lot of years there, I was overly sensitive to what other people said. Um, I'd get defensive really fast. Um, I know right now that I'm just not that important. You know, if somebody, nobody's really going to get up tomorrow morning and saying, or you either, nobody's going to get up tomorrow morning and first thought they're going to have, I'm going to make sure Tanvir has a crappy day today. You know, we're just not that important. And yet we can get caught up into these, these, these cycles, you know? So, you know, it's, um, it's pretty easy for me to, you know, to, to let it roll off though. I, I, a circumstance I was in a, a little while ago that did really piss me off. I was doing a, a Zoom call with, um, you know, with a, a, a couple and um, we're chatting a bit about her business. And I really got the vibe that her partner was not being very supportive. And I shouldn't have let it get to me, man, but it did. It, it just ticked me off. Like, you know, it's like if you can't count on the person that you're, you know, you're with um, to, you know, to at least believe in you. They may not understand. Like, I got to be honest with you. My wife's still looking at me like I got 19 heads and she doesn't, doesn't have a clue what I'm doing with this business. She's, she, she's very aware when money goes out and, and all that kind of stuff, but she's never going to tell me that I can't do something. She just wouldn't. And, and same was, I wouldn't, you know, she went back to college in her fifties and came up top of her class. I wasn't going to tell her you can't do that. Right. And, um, that's, I just, that's I, that's I just think, I just think we really, really, really need to make sure, especially when somebody's talking about a business, I'll never tell somebody that that won't work, but it was, I think it was Michael Bird. It was coach Bird. He was my episode that went live um, the day that we're talking here, but, um, but he made a great point. You know, he said the opposite of a naysayer is not a cheerleader. You know, it's great to have some cheerleaders in our lives. These people that will just always tell us you're great. You're awesome. You're wonderful. You can do it. And I like to have some people like that around, but what we really need is people that will, will provide objective, honest, heart-centered, constructive advice. And so I, I would never say, for example, if you presented a business opportunity to me, you'll never hear me say something like, that won't work, or you can't do that. If I've got experience relevant to the journey that you're trying, you know, that you're undertaking, I might say something like, here are some of the issues that you're, you're likely going to encounter as you're working towards that, you know, to that, you know, to that outcome. Because th that's what's missing is that, that reality. You know, we've got this surreal feeling on one hand, we're, we're afraid to dream. And then on the other hand, everybody's saying, oh, you know, the life of an entrepreneur, you're just going to lie on a beach sipping Mai Tais while all this passive revenue comes in from all these amazing online courses that we've, we've, we've created. Um, and uh, it doesn't happen. And, um, and then, of course, they see all the fake social media profiles of people that are saying, I'm 10x this year and all that. 10x of a dollar is only 10 bucks. <laughs> and and I'm sorry. There's the the, the the boasting that's going on out there from people who are, um, for whatever reason. Sometimes I just think they're doing it for self validation or whatever. But yeah, uh, we need to have conversations with people who are serious about you know addressing some of the problems in the world, who are serious about making a contribution, who are heart centered. That's the kind of community. Screw the naysayers, and it sounds like your podcast too. Um, that's the kind of community I'm trying to build, and and I think we need more of. Um, and, uh, um, and there's not a lot of time for, for people that just don't believe in the possibilities. Yeah. You need that, that, like you said, mindset is 99% of it. It is. Whether, whether that's in business or life, you know, it's, it's life, it's, it's life. Exactly. 99% of it is mindset. And that's something that I've, I've definitely found out myself is that 
um, yeah, just like doing certain things or getting started or moving forward or progression. It's just, it's not about the tactics or the tools or the strategies. Yeah. I was talking to a friend, I was talking to a friend yesterday or two days ago and he was like, you know, the audio wasn't perfect on the first season on my podcast. Still, probably isn't perfect. I mean, we were having a bit of issues earlier in this in this episode. That's probably mine, but um, no, that's okay. But um, you know, the point was was that I was still editing and splicing the edi- the, the the episodes and putting them up, right? Because I know it's not always going to be perfect. I don't I don't need things to be perfect, but I just want to move forward. I want progression, and you know, that's where the mindset aspect of it comes from. So, um, you know learning from people like yourself, learning from people that are my idols, you know, Muhammad Ali, um, you know, just a bunch, bunch of Kobe Bryant, Blake, great Kobe Bryant, Um, you know, learning the mindset behind it has been a huge part of my life personally. And, and obviously a huge part of yours, the mindset is what got you through all that, you know, got you through the trenches and and has got you to create, you know, this, this top 100 podcast that you have now, this, uh, you know, thriving business uh, from Screw the Nayers Productions and the consulting that you do. And, you know, that's a, especially you being 60 plus years old and the energy that you still have is, is personally very inspiring for me. And, and I, you know, want to thank you for, for that. Um, it's been a great, it's been a great episode. It's been phenomenal. Um, the way I'll end it is the way I'll always end each one of these shows, which is, you know, at this point in time, what does success mean to you today and, and moving forward? I think it's pretty much what it's meant for me for the last 30 years, Tanvir. And and that success is about living, uh, living a life that aligns with the things that you value and and so for me within the professional context it meant it's meant that i've been able to create a successful enjoyable exciting um, career you know where i feel like if we made a difference but do it in in a way in a way that was built around the things that i wanted in terms of being able to spend time with my kids and prioritize time with family and and you know control my own schedule and all those kind of things but it's it's all about alignment I mean, if you're, you're, there's no way to be happy if, if the things that you're doing in your life are not aligned with your values. And, and um, oftentimes, sadly, when we work for other people, we don't control all of the things that we, you know, that we would might, might want to in order to live the life we want. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I love that message. Um, I love everything that you've shared today on this podcast. Where can people find you, Tim? Um, what's the best way to follow your journey, sure. the podcast, so on and so forth? Yeah, well, the podcast, of course, screw the naysayers, and it's anywhere that you listen to, you know, you listen to podcasts. Um, the rest of it, the easiest place to find me is screw the naysayers.com. You will find the podcast links blog, uh, you know, three times a week as well, which sort of links to my, some of these mini episodes. My show is five days a week now, 10 years. So on Mondays yeah. and Wednesdays, I'm doing full length interviews, 45 minute interviews. And then Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, I'm sort of trying to net out a single message here or there. Um, and, uh, yeah, any information about how to reach out and work with me is there. I'm also super active on LinkedIn, Tim Allison with one L and I never turn down a, a connect request. I love it. Thank you so much, Tim. Um, honestly, please next time when you're in Toronto, uh, shoot me a message and yeah. I would, I would really love to grab coffee with you again. Um, I, I, I still remember that feeling of walking out that room of, of UFT that day and, and definitely walking away from this podcast episode feeling the same way. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and look forward to chatting more in the future. Man, I'm honored. Thanks.